The views expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Welcome. Dave Fleming is in the house. Welcome to... Monty Man. Entitled to Overcome, Solutions for Life Today. 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 Well, not welcome, tomorrow. Not tomorrow. But today. Right now. Uh, and today is. Just for today. JFT. <laughs> today is Friday the 13th. Awesome. Lucky oh, day. Some people get it really weird on Friday the 13th. I, I think it's one of those uh, self fulfilling. Prophecy yeah. speaking into existence, kind of things where, right. oh my God, it's going to be a horrible day. It's Friday the thirteenth. Well, then now it's going to be because you—that's you, you kind of spoke your world into existence you, you, there. That's didn't your you? mindset. You just expect everything to go wrong today, right. so it will. I've I've never had anything unusual happen on any particular day of the <laughs> month. Have you? I mean, not any different from any other day. I mean, you know, jet airplanes fall from the sky and land in my front yard. That could happen any day. I could stub my toe. I, I remember there was this psychic lady that was uh, kind of substitute teaching in our high school. And she was into horoscopes and everything. And she she told one kid, you're going to come co- come across a great deal of money today. <laughs> and the next day he came to school and he goes, I was walking down the street and by golly, I found 10 bucks. Well, you know why? Because he was looking harder. I mean, my son, when he was young, we we were looking for him one day. Where did Colin go? I thought he was here. I thought he was in the house. I thought he was in the backyard. He was walking around the street, picking up change, came back with 20 bucks and change. Nice. Just walking around here, bound by Circle K, just, there you go. So if you're having a bad Friday the 13th. You want to hang on a minute? I'm going to go for a walk. I'll be right back. It's a great neighborhood, man. (laughs) So the day is what you make it, right? That's right. There you go. Attitude is everything. The, the. What other sayings you got? The, the something, the degree of your altitude is determined by your attitude or something like that. Anyway. Be the change that you want to see in the world. Yeah, you be that change. Hey, so uh, we got this icebreaker oh, thing. It's time for Dave and Monty's icebreaker. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, tiptoe around all that glass. Ow. You ever get a, you ever get a piece of microscopic sized glass in your finger and you can't see it, and you got to take a magnifying glass to dig it out and you botch it up real bad. Have you ever done that, it's, Dave? It's like like a it's like a almost like a hair. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. I hate that. Well, you just got to look for the what I I've had it happen before and what what I've discovered is I I just kind of uh angle my hand around a little bit, you know, I maneuver it around until I see like a little shimmer, shiny or yeah. shimmer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm like, "Ah, gotcha. That's it right there." You know, then I give it a squeeze so it pops it up a little bit. Right. Uh, peroxide works pretty well too. Sometimes it'll actually help it move, push it uh, out. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty picture. <laughs> or you just, you know, you get the razor blade, you just slice that sucker open, make a sure X in it. And yeah, go, okay, not? it'll come out. Yeah, that's a good idea. Nine one one, nine one one. So I got three stupid things to share. 
Um, okay. Here's a realization. Drugs have taught an entire generation of American ki- kids the matrix system. The matrix system. Yeah. Is that similar to the metric system? Metri- I mean, the metric matrix system. <laughs> Take this pill. Whoop, 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 whoop. The metric <laughs> system. The matrix system. Well, you know, that's probably not too far from the truth. Yeah. One pill makes you taller. We are living in the Matrix. Uh, People are saying that I'm an alcoholic, and that's not true because I only drink when I work. Now, I am a workaholic. Uh, Okay. uh, (laughs) Don't. We are going to get to the topic today. M-O-O-N. Um. Here's the last one. A boy asked his grandmother, Granny, have you seen the bottle of pills that says LSD on the label? Granny replies, the heck with the pills. Have you seen the dragon in the kitchen? Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) We'll be back uh, right after this with the topic. Don't go away. Hey, did you know that September is officially National Recovery Month? That's right. So I want you to join us on September 7th at Marion Square Park in Salem, Oregon from 2 to 7 p.m. Why? (laughs) It's hands across the bridge. The theme, building bridges. And the admission is free. Come join the celebration. We're going to have a DJ, run of live music, food, games, and a whole lot more. This is the 12th annual Hands Across the Bridge. And during the main event, attendees will walk over the Marion Street Bridge to honor those in recovery and to remember those lost to addictions and mental health challenges in the past year. When? Hands Across the Bridge, Building Bridges, September 7th, Marion Square Park in Salem from 2 to 7 p.m. Remember, the admission is free, and there's going to be a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of building bridges. 2018 Hands Across the Bridge is organized by Marion Polk Peer Coalition and sponsored in part by Take 12 Recovery Radio. All right. Dave is just showing me um, a thing he pulled up on his phone. I, you know, I can't believe people sometimes, Dave. What? <laughs> Chemtrails, right? It's just like, wow. So tell the listeners what you just pulled up on your phone there. Uh, which one? Uh, uh, the one about the baby. And Oh, so here, here's a uh, world's dumbest couple arrested for making video of baby putting a forty caliber gun in her mouth and saying, pow. What in the world? <sighs> yep. Okay. Well, um, and it's getting crazier all the time. It just <laughs> is getting crazier all the time. Um, I do want to mention, uh, I want a really cool thing. Some people should never have children. Never. I, I, what, you remember that thing about uh, if you want to be in a relationship, Buy a plant, and if you can keep it alive for a year, then buy a dog. And if you can keep the dog healthy for a year, then maybe you can start dating. And then buy a plant and a dog with your girlfriend or boyfriend. And if you can both keep it alive, maybe you might want to consider babysitting once in a while. But that's about it. Don't be having kids, man. I don't know, bro. I haven't heard it go that to that far of an extent. But yeah, I heard, the, somebody, I heard yeah. the plant. Yeah. And then maybe, uh, you know, a. A fish or a yeah. hamster. If your fish is going belly up every every six weeks, you may not know how to take care of a living thing. Well, you know, I I, I have to you know side on some people that don't really have green thumbs. Maybe I know people that can't grow plants to save their life. Oh, I know, but I know. they do fine with cats and dogs. Yeah, that's true. Hey, listen, um, on July twenty eighth this month, July twenty eighth. This is July. Is, but it is not the 28th yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little too much coffee today from the Monty Man. The fourth annual summer, <laughs> summer barbecue. <laughs> uh, the great folks at Lifeline Connections, the uh, the alumni group there, uh, is holding this uh, huge summer barbecue. F- food, fun, raffles, games, face painting for Dave, duck da- tank for Dave, and a bouncy house for me. Uh, celebrating recovery and providing a fun, safe social event for people in recovery. This is a fundraising event sponsored by Lifeline Connections alumni. And it's Saturday, July 28th at the Faith Center, 10702 Northeast 117th Court in Vancouver, 
Washington. I know the folks up there at Lifeline. They're they're amazing folks. They're they're part of the uh, Southwest Washington Recovery Coalition um, that we go up and uh, and have a booth and chat with people every year. We'll be doing that again this year. I'm I'm assuming. Uh, so that's I, coming up. I, I love the the next next few months. Well, July, August, and September. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff. Uh, a lot of recovery not stuff only in on. the summertime, but good recovery stuff. We've got we've got uh, the 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 one that you just talked about. We also got recovery in the park in Lebanon. Lebanon, yep. Lebanon uh, or Lebanon or August, however you say August first. August first. Yes. And then September. You know, all month, month long is recovery month. So. Yeah. You know, stay tuned for uh, more recovery events coming up for September. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, when you're driving around in September and you and you drive, it, watch the bridges in your community because lots of places do the hands across the bridge thing. They do it here in, in Albany. We're going to be at the one. We're going to have a booth up there at the one in Salem. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people standing on the bridge, holding hands, celebrating people in recovery. It's good yeah, stuff. And I just want to. Give a, give a shout out to my uh, my brothers and sisters in uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, Minneapolis, the Recovery Connection uh, puts on a walk for recovery every September. Every nice. year, it gets bigger and better. And uh, I had the privilege of uh, being a part of that for for the first four years. I believe, yeah, yeah, just an awesome event. Sweet. Lots of lots of long term recovery and good good sober fun, right? Right. Yeah, you know, it seems it seems that uh particularly since the film Anonymous People came out, a lot more people are coming out from their meeting rooms and church basements and saying, "Look it. I am not ashamed of the fact that I'm in recovery. That that you know, I've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, but I used to walk around with a needle in my arm and a bottle in my mouth and I'm telling you there is hope in recovery." And I'm living proof of that. People are doing it more and more, and I think it's just great because it helps break the stigma, right? Right. Yeah. It's uh yeah, that's a great reminder. I, I actually have that DVD sitting on my desk. I have it right over there. Yeah, sure? yeah. and uh, it's uh I, I I love showing that thing as much as I, I can possibly show it. Yeah. Um. So I just wanted to throw throw out the the website for anybody that's interested. Uh, if you're living out in Minnesota, if you're going to be out there, uh, is the uh, recoveryconnection.org is uh, the website for Minnesota Recovery Connection. If you want to go out there and, and, and check out what's going on. Recoveryconnection.org. Uh, it's, uh, it's, Put the it's, link up it's on the show. Actually, <clears throat> let me make sure I got that right. I'll sing while you get that. Pour another cup of coffee. I don't want to give anybody the wrong website because I know I just pulled it up here and it it's minnesotarecovery.org. Oh, minnesotarecovery.org. Okay, scratch recovery connection. Minnesotarecovery.org. That's it. Okay. Minnesota, and if cool. uh, it has right on their on their front page, <clears throat> it has pictures uh, from previous uh, walks, and uh, it's a good time. A looky there, and if you get if you're able to get out there, tell them tell them Dave Fleming says hello. The vid, the vid, yeah, yeah. So the topic this week. Uh, you know, are you trying to be? We asked the question: Are you trying to be all things to all people? I mean, like in your family, uh, or in your extended recovery family. Um, I I know that at least in early recovery, I was bombarded with suggestions from people: serve, 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 serve. Get into service. Get into service. And 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 I get that. It is vitally important that we get out of ourselves and help others. But I jumped on it so fast, Dave. I was doing everything all that time, and it took its toll on me. Did you ever stop and go, what, what am I doing? <laughs> what, what am I doing all of this for? I mean, uh, yeah, it becomes another it, – it's that, uh, you know, switching addictions. It, exactly. You switch one, one for the other. Uh, and I remember it was like the end of my – my first year of going to meetings, I was in a meeting 
three, four times a day. If there was candlelight meetings, I was in them at night and I was whining about something that was going on. And I said, I'm so sick of hearing this and that. And, and this guy says, he goes, uh, maybe you're going to too many meetings. And you could have heard a pin drop in that room. Like that was like blasphemy, right? Great. But the truth was, I was. Well, I, I hadn't had a, I, I hadn't developed a good balance. I was going, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't being responsible in any other area of my life, mm-hmm. but I was in meetings constantly. Yeah. And, but that's, that was for a whole year. Now, some people really need that. Um, but I could have done well with two meetings a day. But I was, you know, I'd go to one at 6 a.m., I'd go to the 8 a.m., I'd go to the noon, I'd go to the 8 p.m., and I'd go to the candlelight. That's six. That sounds like, you know, a serious addiction. <laughs> sounds like desperation. And then I Which wonder, I get. It's sometimes when we get yeah. into recovery, it's like, oh, I don't know, like, how to live life. I mean, I get it. I, right. did, I did meetings every day for almost two years. Sometimes I would do, I think the most ever I went to was like three in a day. Yeah. Uh, and that was because there's, you know, whatever, something was going on, some kind of event or something. Sure. Um, or there was something going on in my life. But yeah, it becomes, uh, it takes over our lives if, if we let it. It can, you know. But some of, some of us, like myself, I need to go to meetings every day. Because I am like, um, I'm not sure how this works. I don't know. I'm not sure about the whole God thing. I'm not sure about, about anything. But I'm willing to. Oh, and I think every day is—I think every day is, especially when you're in your first few years. I think every day, if you can make one every day, you're doing—that's a good deal. Well, it's it's how you learn, and what you're saying is like, and and I get the whole, you know, oh, here we go again. We're 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 talking about forgiveness here for the eighth time this week. Well, to me, that means that that's something that I need to work on. Maybe you needed to hear that eight times. Not necessarily. The topic, it's just that's what we hear out of it. Sure. Because um, looking back on, my, on all my experiences, that's, that's what I pull out of it. And if I hear it like mm-hmm. three times a week, you know, there's probably something to it that I need to work on. Um, my home group, every Friday was Gratitude Friday. Right. right. And I was really glad for that because by the end of the week, I needed to be reminded to be grateful. Every week, <laughs> I de- I needed that, and it never got all. Still doesn't get all for me a gratitude topic, because we that's one of the things we forget to be a lot. Yeah, no matter how long we've been sober. Well, it's you know that's like step ten, doing that every day. Right. If you do, if you're you've got long term uh, sobriety, then you know at least once a week you should be doing. I think you should be doing uh, some kind of a gratitude list. You know. Well, yeah. Or at least, you know, do a mental inventory. Right. Kind of a mental step 10 is like, how did today go? You know, where was I, you know, early on, uh, write it down. That way you can kind of see patterns in your life that are sure that need to be changed or, or, or adjusted. And that's why journaling is good. Right. So what about this being all things to all people, trying to do everything? Well, I just uh, – I don't know if this will put some of, the, some of it into context, but I'll just read um, – I'll just read the meditation uh, for today from the man, the man within. Okay. Uh, it's called Consider the Source, Casting All Your Care Upon Him, for He Cares for You. First Peter 5, 7. Uh, February 8, 1990, a new, a new life was brought into this world. Like all new fathers, I was overwhelmed. This fragile little being, so dependent, so needy, uh, but I was somehow convinced that I was somehow convinced that I was ready for this responsibility. My love made me feel made me feel ready that I would do anything in my power for this precious soul. Through the months, however, I had become to painful realization of my own limitations. There will be times and situations that I won't have an answer or a solution. I may be inadequate. It would be easy for us to think that we can be all things to our family, that we have the power to handle every situation, physical, mental, and emotional. The truth is we can't. But we have a Heavenly Father who can. When we stop and consider His awesome power, wisdom, and love, we, we find comfort. Understanding that we don't have to be superhuman gives us freedom to live within our humanness 
and rely in an ever-present, always-loving God. Father, help me to see you as the source for all my needs. Wow. That's, that's kind of, that was a reading for today. You know, kind of looked ahead. But uh, the part that stood out for me is uh, it, it becomes, I mean, some of it, some of us do this in our addiction too. You know, the codependency and enabling and all that sure. other fun stuff that goes along with it. But it, we, we try to be all things to all people. That includes our family, our friends, our and then our recovery community, our rec- mm-hmm. recovery family and friends. Um, because it's like you said, the service work comes into play. Going to meetings every day, we yeah. we can we can get caught up in trying to do to do everything because we're um, either so excited about being in recovery. Or feeling like we're this is part of the the process that I have to go through. I right. have to do this, right? Or at least I'm being told I have to do this in order to get to where I want to go. For it to work, yeah. And there's there's that balance, right? Um, for me, when I started this whole process, again, we go back to the beginning where the only thing you have to change is everything. Part of that process is also saying no, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I can't, you know, I can only take on. Uh, what I can do. Yeah. Not what I think I can do, but what I can actually accomplish. Because I know in previous, uh, before I uh, came into uh, my new life, uh, I would make commitments and I would say, yeah, sure, I'll do that. I'll be there. I'll help you. Uh, and some of the times I wouldn't follow through, follow through with it. So your intentions were, were oh, yeah. good. But, but I would uh, – oftentimes I would go back and usually, you know, that my addiction was involved in the middle of all this too. But I would go back and I'd, I'd get upset because uh, I couldn't I couldn't fulfill all the obligations or I didn't want to. I was so burnt out right. from trying to be everything for everyone, make everyone happy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, try to – you know, all the, all the broken people – or who I thought was broken in my life, trying to help them, trying to help fix them, um, lost sight of the fact that I'm broken myself, that I need to work on myself before I can go and help anybody else. Sure. So, you know, that's that's kind of what I what came to my mind when I when I read this. Do you, Do you think that this is kind of the, what we need to learn from this? Is kind of the spirit behind the bumper sticker? Easy does it. You know, maybe sometimes you got to slow down a little bit and not jump in with both feet and go crazy because you know, that was me because I was I was all or nothing. I was that way mm-hmm. with my with my narcotic use. I was that way with liquor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I was that way when I got into recovery and it and it almost took me out. In fact, when I was an outpatient, when they do like recovery signs and relapse signs, one of my major relapse signs was getting too busy doing good stuff because I would fill my entire plate with that and it would work for a while right? until I burned out. Well, and that's, you know, like, it's, like you said, you know, three or four times a day is excessive, I think. Sure. So there's no, it's very understandable that you get burnt <laughs> out as far as you get, you get burnt out quicker than that. Right. But I get that because that's, I mean, I did that. Maybe not to that extent, but I went to meetings every day. Um, I worked a full-time job, which was like between 40 and 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also uh, volunteered at my church and at the local TV station. So not only was I doing the meetings every day and doing service work that way, but I was doing other things. And then once my... Once I progressed in my life and, and uh, things began to change and, and I could see the value and I knew, and needed to kind of balance things out a little bit, and I was able to do that. You know, and I restored my family. My, me and my wife got back together. And so then there's, there's another layer of that recovery system that I got to balance out. Mm-hmm. So not, I, I don't necessarily – I'm not necessarily going to be doing the same amount of stuff that I'm doing – that I was doing before when – it was just me and and then maybe my daughter every other week. Right. But 
Yeah, so I had to I had to balance that out. And when you say that, you know, they, you say easy does it. You know, mm-hmm. what does that what does that mean though when people read that? It's hard. It's hard to. I think the bumper sticker should really say balance is the key, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. we have to have some kind of balance. And then what does that look like? We have to teach people what that looks like. You know, right? What does that balance look like? Right. Uh, and I think that's where. Uh, the rural recovery comes in is if you can have set some balance where everybody is happy because we, we get into the early recovery and it's we're, we're either all about uh, taking care of ourselves or we're all about taking care of everyone else. You bet. Right? You bet. I've wrecked my life. Yeah. I, I've wrecked my family. I've wrecked my job or whatever or strained it. And so now I want to I'm, – I'm grateful that I still have all that. Or some of it, and mm-hmm. I want to put all my effort into to fixing it, or showing them that I'm not the same person. And I'm, that you mean business, and that, that I yeah. mean business, yeah. right? And we yeah. we lose sight of the actual <laughs> uh, the real reality of what we we need to do to keep those things or get those things. Our, we, our focus still has to be, you know, our, our you know, for me, God's my at the top of my list on my priority list in my recovery. Uh, myself, they're kind of, you know, recovery and myself are kind of all intertwined there right underneath God. Right. Um, and then my family and then uh, and then my, my work. I have to keep it in that order. I can't put my job above everything else because I have to pay bills. Um, because if I don't have God and I don't have my recovery and I'm, I'm, not, bal- I'm not working on myself, the rest of it all falls apart. Um, I, I had to um... – and I've had to do this one other time with the same individual uh, a couple of years ago. I had to sit down and write out a letter the other day to somebody letting them know what my boundaries were um, and lining them out that number one is God, my relationship with him, which involves my recovery. Uh, number two is my family. Number three is ministry. Uh, number four is friends, and number five is acquaintances and everybody else after that. And that, that, that many times, friends and acquaintances and everything else are, are very low on the priority list because these other things, God, my recovery, and my family, they, they're first. Right. You know, and I, I know that it was received. I, I know it was painful for the person because I know this person very well and I know their personality and some of their quirks and I know it was painful. No matter how I put it, no matter how gentle I was, I know it wasn't going to be comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. But there would there would have been a time, there was a time in my life when I would never have set those boundaries, when I would never have said that out of fear of really hurting that other person's feelings. Sometimes, no matter how well you put it, you still need to say it because right. you've got to set some boundaries with folks. And I, I for one, don't have the energy nor do I have the time to continually take phone calls from people that want to be my best buddy. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and yep. I went through this phase where I thought, gosh, I'm being, I'm being kind of a snoot, you know, but, but you're not. No. I, and and. Being in the you know the field of addiction that I that I work in, you know I, I'm you know I, w- I was licensed in Minnesota and certified certified here in Oregon, and there's certain um, ethics and boundaries that you have to have. Yeah, like once we have clients, right? Right. We're basically our clients for the rest of the rest of their lives. Sure. Well, the some of the drawbacks of doing this job is uh, a lot of the times those you you speak. Uh, love and life into these people that um, they feel like, you know, you're their friend, right? And right. maybe in another situation that would be the case. A little bit of a hero worship starts to happen sometimes. Well, no, I think it's just because they, what happens is uh, they, for the first time or for the first time in a long time, finally get someone that actually cares about That's them. That's on their side. Right. That's and is their in their back. corner yeah. and cares yeah. about them and is going to speak some truth into them. Yeah. And so now they get they get attached to them, and they you know they think you're your best buds. I mean, I get yeah. friend requests all the time on Facebook, and I right. I, I I have to you know deny them because it's that's not 
appropriate. It's not appropriate. Right. I mean, I can connect with you in the recovery community, um, but we're not going to go hang out and be best buds. Sure. Because it's, it, you know, I signed a code of ethics and it's, it's part of the deal is because I got people asking me all the time, you know, will you be my sponsor? Will you sponsor me? Mm-hmm. And although I'd love to, mm-hmm. I, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I've run into that, that myself. And, and some people get really. Well, they, they, they don't it. understand what those boundaries are because they either haven't never had them or they just don't understand them. So I, I have to try to explain them to them because I make connections with some people. Some people that are in aftercare, um, I, I give them a little uh, extra case management uh, and accountability. And sometimes mm-hmm. they misconstrue that as, well, now we're best buds. Yeah. And, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I care about all my clients, you know. And I want to you know, be there for them, but it's in the capacity of that. You know, I've had people come and knock on my door, asking me for things. And I at said, home, at my house, yeah. And wow. I gotta say, you know, I, I just can't do it, man. It's cr- yeah. you, you cross the boundary. Yep. Because yep. you know they drive by my house and they see my my car in the driveway, and it's pretty obvious that it's my truck. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh yeah, yeah. And so yeah, there's no yeah. hiding that thing. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. You know, I got them, them plates on there that you know. Sure. So, I mean, and you've got your own. You've, you've got your 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 own recovery. You've got your family. Uh, right. You know, and a lot of folks. The person I'm thinking of, he's single, and he's a lot younger. Yeah. He he doesn't understand because he's not there yet about a wife and kids and all that stuff. You know. Well, and you know. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't want anybody to 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 trust me that didn't really know me because I mean I was in a lot of these people's shoes a long time ago. You know, I was in recovery. I was I mean I was going to treatment. Right. You know, I was doing all that stuff. Some of the the people that were part of that process. Uh, you know, I I went to meetings with afterwards my aftercare counselor. We ended up going to meetings, and he lived a block from me, and we hung out once in a while. Right, but it wasn't. It was. Uh, I didn't expect anybody. I wouldn't trust me if you don't know me. <laughs> the same thing is like we. Some of these people we don't know everything about them. No, you got to keep those boundaries, especially if they have families, and you don't want to give somebody. Um, you don't want to lead people on, right? Mm-hmm. That you're their, their buddy or there's something else. You know, going on. I mean, I've heard heard all kinds of stories about people being inappropriate, uh, trying to recruit clients into their business. Uh, oh, gee. Yeah, that was that was our uh, in our class, one of our classes. That was kind of the the mo- model they were talking about what not to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this lady mm-hmm. lost her license because she was recruiting clients into her multi level marketing company. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. So she needs to say she lost her license, but. Um, there's people out there that, you know, take advantage. Well, and, and that happens sometimes between sponsor and sponsee. Right. You know, you've got some of these knuckleheads that say, well, if you're willing to go to any length, you're going to wash my car and mow my lawn once a week. That's abusive. Well, yeah. Yeah. That, and, and, and I haven't seen a lot of that around here, uh, for a long time, but there was a, there was a little period of time in the Albany area when there was a few people doing a lot of that. And, that don't cut it. That don't cut it. You know, so if you if you're serious, you're going to go to any length. You're going to be washing my car and mowing my lawn. Well, yeah, yeah. okay. Well, we, we had a guy that was doing a uh, he was doing an alumni group uh, once a week, and he was doing uh, one of the things he was doing was like a four step workshop. Uh huh. And it was I don't know, I forgot how long it lasted a month or something. But he he had this thing, uh, and I don't know all the details, but it was like this badge of honor on how many people he could sponsor because everybody that I talked to almost that was in that alumni group, they would tell me like, Oh yeah, so-and-so is my sponsor now. <laughs> really? Wow. So it was like, this guy probably had, you know, he, he could have started his own, you know, right. Uh, football and basketball team. You know, he had, he had so many <laughs> people and I think it was more of a badge of honor for himself to say, yeah, I have all these you know, yeah. sponsees or whatever. Yeah. But where's, where's the, where's the actual quality in that, in that, yeah, and, and there, there can't be because that, I mean, that's kind of a, a an example of trying to be everything to all people. It is, yeah, it is. Um, and I did. I had I had way too many sponsees 
uh, early, well, I say early on, about three years into my um, uh, active membership in a particular 12-step fellowship um, because I didn't know how to say no. And I have to tell you, I was, so I was like three years, three years sober. I felt pretty doggone good. You know, I got all these people that are listening to me, you know, and I had who it wasn't my sponsor at the time who became a sponsor later, pretty much call me on my stuff. And it's not comfortable, but that, that, but that's how you learn. What, what about the, I think we, we do this thing too. what I, what I call the chameleon effect. Um, and I think it's natural that we do this. We, we're all a little schizophrenic, right? We've got a conscience and a subconscious and a, and, and you know, the, the healthy voice and the not so healthy troll like voice and all that going on. Are you hearing voices, Monty? <laughs> I used to have a t shirt that says, You're just jealous because the voices talk to me. Uh, <laughs> but, but we're, we're one way when we're in the 12 step support meeting. Sometimes, and then we're another way when we go back home. We're another way when we go to work, and, and part of that is is required. We have to learn how to adapt to wherever we're at. I mean, I've got to be a different person when I'm at work than when I'm Why? at my twelve step meeting. Why? As far as like what my focus is, my focus if I'm as a stock boy isn't going to be being a stock boy at my twelve step meeting, and I'm not going to be twelve stepping everybody while I'm stocking shelves. Well, and, and we're 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 probably talking about semantics here, but I, the way that I, I have to be because otherwise it's too much work mm-hmm. is I'm the same no matter where I am. Well, that's what I mean. That's my point. But we, sometimes we, we, we change to fit our environment instead of being our true self. Dr. Right. Berger talks about learning to be your true self no matter where you're at. And, and we've all heard people say, I really admire so-and-so because no matter where they're at or what they're doing – they're the same guy, you know, nope. and, and, I, and I've heard people say that about people before, and it's a very honorable thing to have that said about you. Um, but, but for a long time in my early recovery, I was trying to be all things to all people. So I was, right. you know, the, the, the sun that shined over here from my parents, and then I was the recovery guru for the people in the meeting, and then when I was at work – I was I knew everything about my work and I'd boast about it and and I found myself having to juggle all these personalities and today I don't need to do that because I'm just Monty and on medication yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding I just you just you just walked right into that one I had, to, I, had, I had to throw that out there yeah the balance is here because yeah. the pill has been delivered. <laughs> Uh, but but, I, but when I say sometimes that's natural, I think early on, if we don't know how to balance, we, we kind of fall into that kind of thing. We don't know really who to be, when and where. And sometimes and that's why that's why having a mentor, having a counselor, having a sponsor and that kind of thing really, really is important. People trying to do this stuff on their own just it doesn't uh, doesn't fare well. Well, and there's I don't think there's any way that we can really be who we are capable of being without Mm -hmm. others. Because I got to have somebody that will (laughs) look at me and go, what the hell are you talking about? Or Mm -hmm. why are you acting like that? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've been noticing that, you know, something's a little off. I need, I need somebody that, that can do that for me, especially early on. Um, But, you know, that goes, for long-term recovery as well. My wife loves correcting me, so when I'm off, when I'm off my square. <laughs> so I, I, there is that. But um, it's one of those things that if – because I've tried every way that conceivable of doing it on my own. Yeah. Uh, and none of it worked. It wasn't until I got to the point where, okay, I, I give up, I surrender – you know, I had this spiritual experience. Now let's like take and listen to, you know, the only thing you need to change is everything. And so what does that look like? So once I did put that into practice and I actually did it to the best of my ability um, for an entire year, I saw things that I saw. I got it. It made sense. Now all this stuff that people talk about, all this, you know, the promises, all that stuff 
you know, comes true. And it was like, oh, I, now, now it makes sense. It's yeah. like, this is totally awesome. It's worth it. Uh, you know, I was my own worst enemy. Uh, and now I'm going to be my own best advocate. Nice, nice. Right? I, I, I just often use, use the term, I get to use my powers for good instead of evil now. Um, In in the uh, devotional that you read, the gentleman, um, he's a new father, and he's all excited, and he feels like, and he puts that in italics, he feels like he's ready for this. I got this. I got this. I get, you know, me and the baby. I think that's a typical guy thing. I think it is, too. And you get to a certain age, you know, and you're like, eh, I got this. I got this. And then he realizes, he realizes, wait a minute, this little baby is requiring things of me that I may, those skills I may not have honed very well yet, and I need to know my limitations. Now, in case like that, you just can't look at the, the newborn, your newborn son and say, well, sorry, I'm going to have to say no, see you later. <laughs> you're gonna well, have, you're unfortunately, gonna, some people do in that. our society, men do that. Yeah, unfortunately. That's why there's so many, you know, father That's right. kids growing up without their fathers. Uh, but in this case, this this gentleman discovers that he has limitations and he learns how to maneuver maneuver that. And again, <laughs> comes to the painful realization, the painful realization of his own limitations. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And uh, so we need help with that. You know, more than likely he probably got some help with that, right. you know. Uh and and it's okay to to ask for help when you've come to the end of your your rope. You know, there's that poster. When you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Well, that works until the knot slips. You know, sometimes your arms get tired. Your arms get tired. You know, <laughs> uh, sometimes you got to have somebody helping to hold you up. Well, and I just want to you know put this out there because <laughs> you know I, I on some level I'm a <laughs> I'm a realist, and so when I read stuff. Like the first part, and then I read the second part, and it's like, yes, I have to, I have to trust God. I have to pray. I have to ask, you know, mm-hmm. to, for uh, for help bringing someone into my life that can uh, be, of, you know, of help to me. Right. But then I actually have to go out and I have to go ask somebody for help. Yeah, you just can't sit on your blessed assurance and expect the knock on the door. Maybe somebody else has had the experience, but God hasn't like stepped in and you know dropped off a, a book, a manual on parenting, right? Uh, so we got to go out and, and seek counsel with hopefully somebody, another Christian or someone and that's in your same circle, uh, maybe a church that has actually done this that you can go say, Hey, um, help. Right. And, and this speaks to the guy thing you were talking about. I got this thing. Don't right. you think that guys have a tendency to pull back from actually doing that more than women do? Women tend to... Say, you know, I need some help and get from my women friends. Right. But we don't do that. Well, and they get a lot of that. They they get a lot of uh, their women friends or family saying just, you know, if you need any help. Right. 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 I've, I've done this. Maybe you have five kids. I've done this five times. So I've got a little bit of experience. Let me, I'll, I'll help you. Or guys, it's like we, we figure we, most guy friends or family are not going to come to you and say, hey, uh, if you need anything, you know, I've gone through this a couple of times. I can give you some advice. Hey, you want to shoot some hoops or shoot some guns? I'm there. But, right. It yeah. doesn't happen a whole lot. You know, yeah. if, if you're lucky enough to have that, that's great. But most guys, are we're problem solvers, and we don't ask for help yeah. for, for whatever reason. And I think it's a learned behavior, uh, and it's learned. Uh, it's one of those societal things and that we – because a lot of other cultures don't have this issue, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to we need to make some changes. You know, we need to to change the way that we do things so that we are not bailing out on our families. You know, right? Uh, speaking as a guy, you know, I, you know, I was not willing to give up on my family because I, I had that picture in my mind about, you know, it's so easy to just walk away and say, well, let's go start a new one somewhere else. Mm. Um, and I've seen, you know, I've seen all the how it's how it's happened, and I've seen other guys. You know, now they got. They're, you know, they got three families. Yeah. Separate families. You know, yeah. you got all these different kids and alimony and child support. And it's like, it's so much easier just to work through your issues and, and figure it out instead of, That's, instead of doing that, you know, and, and, yeah. and you have to shift that problem solving skill to involve other people and ask for help. I mean, 
that was part of my, the only thing you have to change is everything. Okay. So I want to do these things differently. Uh, so how do I do that? I go ask for help. I go find somebody at my church. I go uh, take a class in the community. I go do something that I'm going to learn something mm-hmm. to be better at whatever skill it is that I'm going to be better at. And and I think in doing these things, we discover who our true self is, and we can live in that, right? And just be us, and not have to put on the facades. And if you know, if I don't need, if I know my limitations, and I'm not afraid to admit what they are, I don't have to pretend. I can say yes when I can. I can say no when I can't, and, right. and it's okay. That's all right. And and you know, it took me a while to to get there, but. You know, I take I take some pride in that. People sometimes comment that I'm that I'm hard or tough. Um, a lot of times, it's more of compassion because my sometimes my emotions mm-hmm. come out when I'm talking about things that I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, some people take that as being you know tough or you know this this recovery thing and this changing of life thing. I'm very passionate about and I want you know especially guys to to get that that we need to step up and and you know fix our lives, fix our families, get on track, be that, be the change that you want to be, you know, be that. Yeah. Um, and so when somebody, you know, presses back a little bit, I get, you know, passionate about that and, and, uh, yeah, just, just ask anybody I know. <laughs> You're so mean, Dave. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard mean in a while. That's because you're just a soft teddy bear. I've been called angry though. Have you? Quite more more times than I than yeah. I've than I've liked. Well, Marv, our, they, my, they confuse it for being like I said, passionate. Right, Marv, our, our co-host on Monday show, he's got a big burly white mustache, right? right? And he often says, "I'm smiling underneath this mustache." Right, but they think he's angry. Right, he's not. He's, he just can't see his smile because he doesn't have this huge grin. But well, he's, he's fine. He's, and, <laughs> yeah. Well, we know another person that you know oftentimes uh, gets mistaken for being an angry person. Yeah, but that's you know that's it's going to take a while for that to wear off, and maybe it won't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's been this defense mechanism for years and years, and you know sometimes people have been angry for so long that they're you know <laughs> as they, remember the old term you know if, if you keep making that face it's going to stick it's like gonna that. It's going to stick. Yeah, well, there's some it's, truth to that. There's some truth to that. Yeah, and I had a guy you know I, know I mentioned this before I think uh, um, I had a guy that I worked with one time I never forget it. He said that he. Uh, uh, Somebody asked him why he doesn't smile. <laughs> he said, if you don't like my face, don't look at it. <laughs> and I thought that was great because it's like, come on, who walks around with a big grin on their face all the time? Right. You know, right. I mean, it's just so. I, I knew a guy named Peter. He was a, a, a pro and probation officer here in Lynn County for years. And he worked, he worked directly with uh, 11 and Teen Challenge guys, right? Yep. And uh, Peter was one of these guys, never smiled. He looked serious, all about business all the time. But once you got to know this guy, he was one of the most compassionate, patient. I mean, people would meet him, get assigned to him as a PO, and, and they were thinking, oh, man, this guy's going to be hard. <laughs> and he really wasn't. He, yeah. he was really, well, really Well, that really comes close. with the territory, with the job. Well, yeah. I mean, you're working with knuckleheads all day long, every day for years and years and years that are – just not doing the deal. They're trying to manipulate. And- you got to kind of get a little stoic sometimes just to make it through. But when you really got to know the guy, he he loved the Lord. He was just a, a sweetheart. But he probably wasn't going to smile at you or laugh at your jokes. It just wasn't who he was. So there you go. Must be one of my cousins. Or- <laughs> so Dave, people have to come to They're going to come to a crossroads when it comes to trying to be all things to all people. And they have to make a decision because they're going to burn out if they try too long. So, decision making time for some of our listeners, others, maybe not yet, but we're learning. Well, the key is balance. balance. That's the answer to all your problems. Balance in your life. Well, maybe not the answer to all the problems, but yeah. So we don't want to lose ourselves in in the journey of discovering who we are and one of the best ways not to do that is to ask for help and invite people in so our closing song this week is called crossroads wow see see what i did there 
that amazing? You're awesome. I know. I know. And this is performed by Kelly Z, our good friend Kelly Z. Uh, her website is kellyslot.com. This is a Robert Leroy Johnson song, Crossroads. <laughs> Robert Leroy Johnson song, Crossroads. Hey, listen, you can visit Kelly's site and get more of her great music at www.kellyslot.com. And so our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Dave Fleming reminding you that you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.